0: Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Family Sanctuary, a show that inspires living the gospel message in word and deed within our families. And now, Family Sanctuary with host Peggy Hartshorn.
1: Welcome to The Family Sanctuary on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. I'm your host for today's program, Peggy Hartshorn, chair of the board of Heartbeat International that advances life-affirming pregnancy help around the world. Well, today we have an inspiring story that I think Uh, will really be powerful and uh, interesting for all of our listeners. It's about uh, a mom and her family and her call into pro-life and how God actually provided every step along the way. It's interesting when you look back uh, how... You see that despite the challenges, what has obstacles put in what you think is the path ahead, that God is in it every step of the way, and uh, so so we have a, a lovely guest today, Andrea Treden. Welcome, Andrea.
0: Hi, Peggy. Thanks so much for having
1: me. (laughs) It's great to have you with us. And uh, Andrea and her husband, Dan, uh, have been married 15 years, right? Mm -hmm. Have three beautiful children, Juliana, Angela, and Lucas. And uh, they go to St. Paul's in Westerville. Uh, so, so, but I know Andrea uh, because <laughs> actually at Heartbeat International, um, she was started out as my administrative assistant. And that was what, two thousand
0: two
1: thousand and 2004. 2004. Wow. The time goes so fast. Really before you were married, mm-hmm. before... We saw all the challenges that, that were going to be provided in your young life. Uh, that was your first job out of college, right? Yeah,
0: Yeah. I had worked uh, in radio, actually, oh my for a goodness. few years throughout college for three years, and then also um, at the newspaper for Ohio State. But yeah, I graduated in June and started at Heartbeat in August.
1: Wow. So your first job... Uh, beautiful young lady (laughs) and uh, started as my administrative assistant well it's a long story we'll hear some of it today uh but at at one point um you you took a break Mm -hmm. to be home with your children Mm -hmm. which i was a big fan of of uh of of making sure that everyone knew who worked at heartbeat um that that when, when God provides that beautiful family and that call, if you can, it's a wonderful opportunity you know, to be with your young children. I did that myself. I was so thankful that God provided that option for me too. Andrea came back and uh, is now our vice president of communications. So I've been able to witness that how her life has unfolded as a beautiful pro-life young woman, uh, but with, with some obstacles and challenges. But it was beautiful to see how God provided everything she needed. So she's going to be talking about that story today. So Andrea, um, your story involves um, not only marriage to a wonderful man, Dan, uh, but then some challenges in your fertility along the way. Start telling us about that. How um, you know how how you ran into some physical difficulties? Mm-hmm. What God provided? Let's start the story there.
0: Yeah. So. I did, uh, Dan and I got married in August of 2007, and he's wonderful.
1: Like <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> I, I know Dan, too. I, Not like Andrea, no. obviously, but a wonderful young man. Um,
0: but we always knew that we wanted a family, of course. That was probably talked about very early in our relationship mm-hmm. because it, family values are very important to both of us. And so we knew that when we got married, we were set to start a family, had our home, and um, all the pieces were in place and mm-hmm. then of course, if it seemed ideal, it right? seemed ideal. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, of course life happens and there's you curve balls. Um, and so actually with our, uh, first pregnancy that did end in a miscarriage, um, early on. Um, and so of course you have all the different thoughts going through your head of, oh no, is this going to be a constant, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and discussions were had, um, and being in the pro-life movement, um, I've discussed with you, Peggy, it's one of those things that you know too much almost. And so um, I did know that one in five pregnancies, unfortunately, end in miscarriage. So it's like rationalizing all these different pieces. But Mm -hmm. uh, we were very uh, blessed to a couple months later uh, become pregnant again. Mm -hmm. And so um, with that, all the excitement, um, once we got past uh, the, the scary time like we didn't tell anybody for several weeks that sure. we were pregnant at that time because in my experience the worst part was untelling um, mm-hmm. with the miscarriage mm-hmm. so we didn't tell and, anybody and, for a while and of course
1: when that happens um, when a miscarriage occurs I've heard the story so many times uh, sadly people usually say the wrong thing don't they Yeah, (laughs) Yeah,
0: it's all good intentions, and we totally understand. But it is a you you have a sense of failure in that Mm -hmm, moment mm -hmm. because though there's literally nothing that you can do,
1: um, and it wasn't your fault in any way, obviously. Yeah,
0: and um, it it just it it does happen. Um, And
1: sometimes people will say things like, "Well, you'll get pregnant again," right? Yeah, which
0: thankfully in our experience we did. But for so many. It helped me really understand um, the trials that some people go through and Mm -hmm. um, really that heartbreak that we know so many um, do endure over years with infertility.
1: And actually some of the people that we've worked with at Heartbeat International, that's been their story. So that kind of, uh, of pregnancy loss really demands... Uh, A lot of empathy, you know, from from those around, and yeah, understanding the grief and the loss. And
0: because of this work and the value that we see in in every single life, and we devote our lives to protecting the unborn. Right. Those moments are hard, but I will say, um, throughout various people that I've worked with. Um, when they've experienced miscarriage either early on or later mm-hmm. or anything like this, the surrounding of love that mm-hmm. comes and the prayers over you, mm-hmm. um, it's just amazing to witness because sure. you do feel that it is is—it is a loss for you mm-hmm. and those in the movement understand it.
1: Yes, when you're surrounded by yes. people <laughs> like you have been at Heartbeat International, generally speaking, that's, that's uh, something that... We provide a lot of support. We understand mm-hmm. the the strong bonding that occurs between mother and child, even very early in the pregnancy. I was to say, and it was yeah. so
0: immediate too. And hearing the prayers for the
1: baby—that um, was sure.
0: unexpected for mm-hmm. me at first, um, yeah. <laughs> but very, very much appreciated. I I don't like to cry in front of people. <laughs> <laughs> but I broke down a lot yeah um, in those moments so because that the allowed tenderness. you to
1: really grieve and mm-hmm. and and uh, recognize that your baby is is with the Lord so but you were able to get pregnant we were again. able to get pregnant uh-huh, uh-huh. and
0: um, had an amazing doctor walk with us through the pregnancy and um, then at our 20week uh, appointment where we uh, were still we weren't going to find out if it was a boy or a girl we were going to be surprised mm-hmm. and we um, we went in. It was early. So the doctor was very quiet, and we just figured, ah, eh, he's not a morning person. So we're, <laughs> we're looking at the ultrasound and um, hearing the heartbeat um, mm-hmm. and everything, and then he turns to us, and he mm-hmm. says, okay. So here's the picture of the ultrasound and showing here's her – no, didn't say it was a girl at that mm-hmm. point. Here's the baby's head, arms, everything. Here's the stomach, and it was up in the chest cavity where – the heart is, mm-hmm. and I remember we were just kind of staring at it, like, okay, maybe that's normal. <laughs> and um, he said, "That's not where that's supposed to be." Mm-hmm. So then we didn't know what to think, and um, he informed us that it is a diaphragmatic hernia. So our baby had a hole in her diaphragm, and um, her abdominal organs slipped up through that hole into her chest cavity, hindering the growth of the lungs and shifting the heart. So I remember him very specifically. It's Dr. Parker, um, amazing OBGYN. Um, and he just looked and he just said, it's okay, you can cry. Hmm. And it was like, I needed that permission. Hmm. Uh, because again, didn't know if the, it was first, like pre- time I was 20 weeks pregnant, didn't know if this was normal and oh yeah, your parts go back down.
1: <laughs> um,
0: but he was amazing. He um, was talking to us. He, he did ask, he's like, do you want to find out the sex of the baby? Now that you know this, and we went back and forth, and then we said yes, and so we found out it was a girl, mm-hmm. which we learned that um, through multiple appointments. Apparently, that is a very good thing hmm. um, be- with this <laughs>
1: particular birth defect. No,
0: with all birth defects. Apparently, really? there's something that's referred to as the wimpy white boy syndrome. <laughs> like, Isn't that girls something? are fighters, hmm. and every doctor and nurse that we talked to hmm. throughout the rest of this process would say, "Oh, good, it's a it's girl." A girl.
1: That's interesting. It was fascinating to learn, uh,
0: but I guess they just, they have been known to be more fighters at birth. Mm -hmm. Um, So we immediately got scheduled for um, fetal specialist appointments. Mm -hmm. Every test that I didn't know existed, we went through, Mm -hmm. I think, where I literally had to go down to Children's Hospital to have um, an... MRI on the baby, and then an echocardiogram on the baby, and so it's mm-hmm. very Not fascinating. Not a test for you,
1: but for the baby. Yeah. Yes, right. and
0: so fascinating to find out just everything that they're able to discover, um, and walk through and prepare us, and mm-hmm. that was amazing because we did um through all of the testing phase, phase uh, period um we kind of shut down a little bit, um because of course we're we're in like stat mode, like what are her chances of survival? Mm -hmm. What do we need to do? Mm -hmm. Um, How long will we be at the hospital? What are the proper protocols and everything? And we um, met with an amazing neonatal coordinator, um, Becky, and she walked us through the entire process as to what we would expect. We did a tour of the NICU. We met with the neonatal surgeons. Um, It was very good for us as parents to be prepared for that. And along the way, um, just the number of prayers that we were given, we Mm -hmm. met with, um, the priest and pastors down at children. So we, we knew we had support there. We knew we had support at our work and at our church. Um, and it was just a time of pause mm-hmm. in many ways mm-hmm. and You're kind prayer. of stunned oh yes
1: yes <laughs> so but it sounds like they were telling you from the beginning that uh, the baby will be a fighter probably mm-hmm. and she will make it through the the gestational stage right yes
0: and the goal was to actually get her as far along in the pregnancy as possible because your lungs actually don't start to develop until about 37 38 weeks really wow and so, so her
1: lungs were so squeezed and pushed at this time but they weren't at the stage of of needing more space yet correct because right? okay.
0: the uh, and we were told that um she more than likely wouldn't cry at birth um this is it's um, the most common of the rare birth defects mm-hmm. so it's 1 in 2300 um People will experience this. So the doctors, while it's not a common surgery that they do mm-hmm. often, they are skilled in it. Okay. Especially here in Columbus, and so we made the plan, and um, they were able to make us aware of what to expect. Like we knew that she had a like a sixty to ninety percent chance of not surviving, mm-hmm. depending mm-hmm. upon how severe it was. She probably wouldn't cry at birth because of no lungs. Sixty
1: to ninety percent of not surviving—that's a pretty high percentage. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So, and
0: you would you would appreciate this, Peggy, because you know me. But like (laughs) as we were making lists of names, Mm -hmm. I had a spreadsheet, and (laughs) (laughs) so we were looking through like what all the meanings of all the names meant. And Juliana um, is our daughter's name, and it means soft but strong. Wow. And so. Um, You
1: gave her the name before she was born.
0: We had it narrowed down, Mm -hmm. but we pretty much knew that that one was going to be her name at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, And so fast forward um, to, we were about 37, 38 weeks and um, had a C-section. There were so many doctors in the room. (laughs) Only about one or two of them were for me. Um, 13 (laughs) of them were for her, which was great. Wow. (laughs) and she cried
1: at oh, birth. Oh, wow. That and, shows her lungs were developing. Yeah. yeah. And,
0: and they definitely, like, she cried. Um, they got her on a respirator right away.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We got to see her for 11 minutes. Oh. Mm-hmm. And then they took her to a different hospital.
1: Mm-hmm. Let me just ask you, because, uh, again, because of the work we do at Heartbeat mm-hmm. International, we know that there are so many wonderful what are called perinatal hospice programs Mm -hmm. where they prepare families in cases of very severe birth defects where they're pretty sure the baby may not live more than a few hours. Mm -hmm. And yet that can be such a beautiful time with, with the family. Usually they can prepare the family, the children come in other children, the father, of course, the mother, they can hold that baby. They take pictures, they take footprints Mm -hmm. because of the, possibility of 60 to 90 percent that she wouldn't survive um did they prepare you at all for that
0: so not in those terms okay but what was incredible was they had a photographer in that room Mm -hmm. we got her footprints we got everything Mm -hmm. and they put together a wonderful um piece for us to have that's Um, beautiful Mm -hmm. and So perinatal hospice, those terms, I definitely learned it later, more so in Mm -hmm. our work, Um, but it wasn't used there. And I think being surrounded by doctors that we knew were fighting for her
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: Mm -hmm. um, were advocating for her, like Mm -hmm. we knew that. um, There
1: still was a good chance. A very,
0: yes, we, we were told to expect to be in the hospital from six weeks to six months. Mm -hmm. And, um, It depended upon everything, of course. So she didn't end up having um, her surgery, which was a repair, um, where they would do an incision, pull down her organs, Mm -hmm. her liver, her spleen, her small intestines, and stomach. Small intestines.
1: I'm thinking how tiny all these little organs are at that point. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, And then uh, put a patch inside of her.
1: At the diaphragm. Yes, mm -hmm, at her mm -hmm, diaphragm. mm -hmm.
0: And, um, throughout this process, she definitely had some struggles. She Mm -hmm. had some nights where, um, her blood pressure was very erratic. One night it was literally going from like 60 to 180 within a couple of minutes. And that Mm. was, it was a malfunction of a machine that. Oh, good.
1: Yeah. Good, but very scary scary (laughs) at the time. Yes, of course.
0: Um, but um, again, surrounded by amazing nurses and doctors who were there for her and, um, very, very loving people. Wonderful.
1: Let um, me just, before we continue yes. your story, Andrea, just reintroduce you if, if someone has just uh, come into the program. Our guest today is Andrea Treden, uh, who actually is the Vice President of Communications for Heartbeat International. We're talking about her beautiful story of how God not only prepared her and her husband along the way, provided all the support and help they needed with their miscarriages, with their first child, Juliana, who had a very rare but serious birth defect, mm-hmm. uh, and um, and how he's provided all, all along the way, continuing mm-hmm. <laughs> with the kind of support she needs, and also preparing her for her leadership role, actually in the now internationally in the pro-life movement, to really um, empathize uh, mm-hmm. so much with Mother. Um, and families that are facing these kinds of challenges in pregnancy. So uh, it's a beautiful story. Thank you for being with us, Andrea. Oh, thank okay. You.
0: And I think it is a reminder, too, of how important it is to be surrounded by that support. Mm-hmm. Because had I had a different doctor, I could have very easily gotten a different uh, opinion, yes. or a, a suggestion for uh, a peaceful way to work with the resolve problem. this pregnancy yes. and yes. It, it's, mm-hmm. it was never in question mm-hmm. which is wonderful because we know that um we sought out pro-life doctors
1: right and
0: it was actually marked kind of in the thing like don't even bring it
1: up don't even bring up don't abortion. even bring up abortion right. that right. is
0: not an option for this right
1: That's wonderful. I think you told me that you actually started with a pro-life doctor because uh, you had cysts early on, right?
0: Yes, and and
1: they they didn't want to give you a pro-life treatment.
0: (laughs) It was unfortunate. They it kind of completely ignored my request, which was a a very sad. But I swiftly took care of that (laughs) Mm -hmm. because one of the solutions, of course, is um, to be put on chemical birth control, and it it made me not me. completely changed me i was having hot flushes i was very irritable Mm -hmm. very it was odd this was supposedly
1: the medical treatment yes so
0: i asked to not be on that and they just gave me a different form of chemical birth control Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so i was like okay i i want to find out why i'm having these issues and fix it (laughs) rather than just
1: (laughs) right well thank goodness we have such wonderful pro-life uh physicians who despite challenges to uh, to their own philosophy in the medical profession, unfortunately, today, uh, step forward. And, and so you were seeking out pro-life care right from the beginning, even before you got pregnant. Correct. Yeah, and they absolutely. were
0: wonderful to actually then um, connect me with pro-life pediatricians as well, yeah. who were huge advocates as well. Yeah. So after the surgery, um, we got out in
1: after Juliana, after Juliana's, after Juliana's surgery, <laughs> surgery, yes,
0: she was able to uh, thrive and out of the hospital in five weeks. So before they even thought that they could uh, or t- prepared us to have her out, and so we got to bring her home at five weeks, and um, she is fourteen now. Um, <laughs> she has a couple long term issues such as asthma, but overall, her st- this is part of her story, and right. she is such a fighter. And actually, was told yesterday at a sports um, event. That we can see, she, she's a she's a competitor, isn't she? <laughs> so it's like, she looks all kind and gentile. <laughs> gentle, yeah. Gentle, but yeah, she totally is a fighter.
1: Wow. Well, it's it's just a beautiful story. And then, didn't you tell me that this birth defect that's so rare yeah. actually can occur again? Yes. In pregnancy.
0: So after... The first um, time, if you are diagnosed with a congenital diaphragmatic hernia, your chances go from one in twenty-three hundred to one in fifty.
1: One in fifty. So, so knowing that, knowing that uh, you still were open to new life, mm-hmm. and have two beautiful children. Yes. <laughs> in addition to Juliana.
0: Yeah, it definitely comes <clears throat> into a fear factor moment um, at the beginning of the pregnancies because you, until that twenty-week appointment, we were always a little hesitant, mm-hmm. uh, or not hesitant just nervous of, okay. So, but we were prepared. Yes. So it's like, okay, if this happens again, we know that we can <clears throat> fight through it. Um, and yeah, the, I, and my other two children are completely healthy. Um, Angela was actually very good. Stayed in, she was a 10 pound baby. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, Lucas, he's uh, just a doll as well. So very healthy, happy, uh good kids
1: <laughs> yay, god <laughs> very much so <laughs> i wanted to go back to one little detail that i happen to know of course because you were working at heartbeat mm-hmm. international at this point that uh, one of our other employees mm-hmm. at the same very same time had a very difficult also uh, birth child with with severe birth defects and your two babies were in the NICU mm-hmm. At children at the same time. So you too, obviously, and, and mm-hmm. her husband and your husband, God provided that support for both of you yeah. together in it, the NICU.
0: It was nice in a way because not only had we been prepared through the doctors, but we did know our friends who were there too, and we would see yeah. them in the cafeteria, but we were definitely there at the same time dealing mm-hmm. with very different, but very similar situations. Yeah. Um, and. It was interesting from the different perspectives um, as to how we were engaging with the doctors and such because mm-hmm. um, we got out sooner, mm-hmm. um, which was good. But then knowing that, that they were our friend there. was going to be yeah, there for a little that bit longer—that was difficult. And watching could... the different families in there and what they were enduring—it definitely gives you a completely different perspective because your whole world is on hold. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean, we were at the hospital morning to midnight every day
1: mm-hmm. and
0: you're seeing the different families coming in your heart with, goes
1: out oh, to them oh yeah incredibly mm-hmm. and, and one of the things you shared with me that was so interesting while you had doctors that were totally supportive mm-hmm. of uh every way possible making sure that juliana had the very best chance of survival and same with the baby uh, mm-hmm. of our friend, our other friend who was there at the same time, there were doctors who were not of that mindset.
0: Yeah, it was fascinating hearing the, during rounds, those who would talk. Um, there was one encounter in particular where they were talking about the different uh, difficulties that the kids were dealing with these, these tiny babies. And one of the residents made a comment about sometimes I think we save too many.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: it was heartbreaking to hear, knowing what we just endured. And Mm -hmm. it's like, no, we would continue to fight for our babies. You give us every tool in that toolbox because every life matters. Every single baby Mm -hmm. that was in there deserved to have that fighting chance. That Mm -hmm. it was not a question for us. Mm -hmm. And the fact that some people would even think to say that in a children's hospital Mm -hmm. is very Mm -hmm. disturbing in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, But also that they think that they're being kind. Yes. And it is a very different perspective Mm -hmm. as to what compassion can look like in people's minds because they Mm -hmm. were thinking that was a compassionate move. Mm -hmm.
1: And think of the parents who, of course, would be so, uh, influenced by that, exactly. if the doctor says, well, this is a child that really uh, would be very difficult or w- w- paints a, a bleak picture like that. So many parents, of course, wouldn't, like you, be fighting for their child either. They would think, well, this is the best thing medically. And that's yeah. where it is
0: important to very much so speak up and be an advocate for your baby mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. at the onset. Um, and it is important to know who you are working with as a doctor.
1: Yeah. And, of course, an advocate for any patient mm-hmm. in the hospital because there are those different perspectives uh, mm-hmm. for Patients of all ages, exactly. <laughs> particularly the elderly in mm-hmm. the hospital. Well, Andrea, just real quickly, we're almost out of time, but I wanted you to share just real briefly yeah. how your husband Dan, of course, responded to all this. He was not, he had not fully converted to the Catholic faith, although he was very interested in, mm-hmm. in Catholicism uh, when you got married. And then uh, he was in RCIA. Yeah. So, how did this all affect him in terms of his faith?
0: Yeah, so he became more and more. Um, not even just open, because he had been open to God. He just hadn't been involved mm-hmm. growing up. And this whole experience completely shifted that. Mm-hmm. And so he automatically, uh, when we found out about Juliana's condition, um, I believe that was when we got enrolled in RCIA, RCIA. for him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, we'd been going to St. Elizabeth's in mm-hmm. Westerville for months. And so that was one of the families that literally wrapped around us was that RCIA family throughout oh, all of wonderful. this. Uh, because they were following the journey mm-hmm. and just speaking hope and life into us so much, we have good friends still um, who watched us throughout this entire part. And then when Juliana was born and safe to go out, like we would bring her to some of the RCIA meetings, <laughs> and I'd just sit in the back with her, yeah, um, mm-hmm. because they were so such a good in uh, influence, and mm-hmm. they answered our questions. They really helped create a strong connection to the and, church. And
1: Dan's and, conversion was it, complete. <laughs> exactly. And ever since <laughs> they've been stuck with us. <laughs> well Andrea I wish we could continue talking because there's so many beautiful aspects to your story and your story continuing. Mm-hmm. So uh, but unfortunately we're out of time but thank you so much for being with us today oh, to tell such pleasure. a beautiful pro-life story. So our guest has been Andrea Tredden and uh, Vice President of Communications for Heartbeat International and uh, so you been listening to her story on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio on The Family Sanctuary with host uh, Peggy Hartshorn, with archives at com and streaming live on com. Our program, The Family Sanctuary, is broadcast at four every Saturday and two on Sunday. So please join us again to strengthen our families and make them sanctuaries of life as God intends.
0: Family Sanctuary is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Family Sanctuary with Peggy Hartshorn are available at stgabrielradio.com.